Welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. Welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. I'm Adam Huss, and this episode is both a fun conversation and an election week special. Regardless of your politics, I think we can all agree that this 2020 presidential election in the U.S. is one of the tensest and most emotional elections we Americans have had in a long time. This year has highlighted some of the work we have to do as a country. We still have a lot of problems to solve. But I think it's important to be reminded about some of the positives about America. If we focus entirely on the negatives, our perspective becomes skewed, and the work that we're doing to bring about change loses its soul. My guest for this episode has a beautiful story, and I'm hoping that seeing an example of how America still works can be a reminder of what we're all working towards. Nadine Brown's story is in many ways a classic American tale. Nadine is an immigrant. She came to the U.S. to study and work, and when plans didn't quite work out, she found herself applying for a job as a restaurant host in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. She had no previous restaurant experience and had every intention for it to be a temporary position. However, she fell in love with the hospitality industry. In restaurants, she discovered her love of the energy and adrenaline of working the floor, and she discovered wine. It fascinated her and sparked her curiosity. Born in Jamaica, she grew up with coffee and rum and no exposure to wine, but when she found it, she couldn't let it go. Through hard work, smarts, and determination, that good old American cliche, she learned and trained and worked her way up to become an award-winning sommelier and the wine director for Charlie Palmer Steakhouse, one of the premier restaurants for DC's political and social elite. At Charlie Palmer, she built a renowned cellar focused on American wines and served wine to people at the highest levels of politics, even a future president, all while meeting her husband in the kitchen and becoming the mother of two children. Now she's a proud board member of the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan DC, as well as a board member of the extremely well-named nonprofit, The Verizon Project, which is, as you might guess, dedicated to bringing more color to the wine industry through greater access to wine education, wine certifications, mentoring, and networking for people of color. She continues to be a mentor to many young professionals in the business, and she strives to encourage more women to join and stay in the industry. Nadine's story is a reminder of the kind of opportunities I think we want to preserve in the U.S. One of my favorite parts of our conversation was when she talks about how she cultivates curiosity in the people she serves and in their interests, even or especially when she disagrees strongly with their politics, and how that enables her to make connections and have conversations with them. I know that wine is not that important on the grand scheme of fates that can be determined by a national election. But if it kindles the flame of curiosity, if it gives a path to your career and your life, if it facilitates meeting the love of your life and starting your family and building something beautiful, and if it gives you an opportunity to sit down with strangers and be reminded that you have something in common with them, that we're all human at the end of the day, then maybe after you vote this week, it's worth having a glass or three. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Nadine Brown. Cheers. Nadine, thank you so much for joining me. It's so great to talk to you this morning. Thanks for the invite. I'm excited. Hey. So I just want to jump right in and ask you, uh, you know, what what got you into wine? You know, I really, uh, it was an accident. I'm originally from Jamaica. I left Jamaica when I was 12, went to high school in Puerto Rico, you know, went to college in Boston. So it was really the first time I came to the States. You know, so rum and coffee and other things were, you know, in my in my world. Um, I I did social work for a couple of years in Boston and then moved to DC in '96. Um, every intention to go back to social work, try to find a job in the field. Um, I think I worked at Moto Photo for a week, trying to do a couple of different things. Um, and then I said, you know what, I'm going to take a break for the summer, just find something. I moved back home. I was living with my mom, um, mm -hmm. find something for the summer. And then I'll go back in September and, you know, get back on that bicycle. There was an ad for a new French restaurant opening on Capitol Hill. They're looking for a hostess, no experience needed. 
Um, and I called and this funny sounding British guy answered the phone and uh, who ended up being one of my, you know, inspirations and mentors. And that's how I got into the restaurant business, you know? Um, and again, the whole time having intention to go back, but, you know, if you talk to people who've worked in restaurants or something, there's something addictive about it and, and there's a lot of energy. So that's kind of, you know, my, my four way, four way mm. into wine. Um, yeah. I worked my way up from host to manager pretty quickly, maybe two, three years. And wine was really uh, my weak suit, you know, in terms of managing and, and leading people. Um, so I took a, my first wine class. Yeah. So, it wasn't exactly that you had that epiphany moment because you were tasting wines and right. one, one of them just floored you and, and you just had to learn more kind of thing. You started yeah. learning. I, I had a really similar thing too. I mean, I since then have had been floored by some great wines, but sort of started learning about wine first. And it was the whole world of it that really got me excited to, to taste it and to learn more about it and everything like that. Is that what kind of happened to yeah, you as well? Yeah, I was, you know, one really lucky. There were, um, you know, a lot of collectors and, and that came into the restaurant um, that shared wine with me, you know, back to talking about that manager. Um, I'd be at the host stand in between lunch and dinner service, whatever, wiping down menus and he'd have purveyors coming in and for his tasting appointments and, I don't know how it started, but, you know, he kind of invited me over. He saw me kind of like, hey, what's going on over there? Um, and I I, th- I think the f- it was a book. Um, it's about champagne and wars. Uh, oh. And it was fascinating, you know, just how the Turks were always fighting with someone and still are. And, you know, the whole, the, the old history, the history of, of wine and the people um, yeah, so that was also a big a big hook for me, um, and yeah, just wanting to to learn more. And I'd read more, and I you know, kind of couldn't get a, get enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, reading is one of the things I was going to ask you about. So obviously, you were in a restaurant, so you had access to a lot of hands on or mouth on learning right. or palate on learning. I don't know what you right. call it, but yeah. Um, so, but I imagine you, you, I mean, are there any books that you could, you would recommend or, or just what you, what got you going? You know, I think, um, the wine Bible, I always recommend to yeah. people by Karen, um, Neil, there was yeah. another one, you know, like I, I was a host and then, um, like office manager, this way different, you know, so I started wiping down the menus and then I graduated to typing up the menus <laughs> um, the chef would give me scribbly pieces of paper, how I actually met my husband, my now husband, because he was a sous chef at the time. Um, <laughs> I think they're still in publication. It's called Food um, Food Lover's Companion. There's a Food Lover's Companion and a Wine Lover's Companion. It's basically just a, a dictionary. It's alphabetical order and you know lots of information about, about wine and viticulture. Um, that's another one. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Jill Samorski, who was at MS, she has a new podcast um, about wines and wine books. Um, so there's so many more, you know. Yeah. There, there are a lot of books. And it really depends on how, you know, start small, you know, what your your end goal is. I think, you know, there's some people that want to be in the industry. Um, there's some people that just want to learn, you know, a little bit more. Um, yeah. So it depends on how in-depth you want to get. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I found too. It's you sort of start reading and then see where that leads you. If you yeah. want to keep reading, you know, if, yeah. if you're the kind of person that just wants to read every book on a subject, you'll, you'll realize that quickly. Oh, <laughs> and there are rabbit holes. I mean, I've, I, you know, I, I studied with the court of master Somalia. I wanted to be the first MS, you know, first African-American and first Jamaican master Somalia and masters of wine. Because uh, there are, I think, maybe four people in the world that have both certifications. Oh, so yeah. I got that in my head. Um, but then even in the studying, like these, I would go down these rabbit holes of things that were interesting. Like I would read about vanilla, you know, the vanilla flavor that can have, can be on some Chardonnays that comes from, you know, oak aging. And then I'd read a whole book on vanilla and it's an orchid and, you know. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> There's a lot of just, you know, side sidebars. Um, 
just part of why I don't have the big pin right now. Um, <laughs> other reasons, but there's, you know, there's geology and history and chemistry and just, you know, so much. I I love that, and I love that you brought that up. I mean, the, a, a huge part of why I started this podcast was really just to to make those connections because I think it's like I, I make the analogy that like you just start with what you like, with what you love, and if you yeah. if you truly follow it back, like you will be connected to the entire world. You know, if you yeah. like if you love vanilla ice cream, you're gonna start learning about dairy farms in upstate New York and, and vanilla plantations in Madagascar, you know, like, and you're going to like find out about global trade and, you know, everything that's involved, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. How it's tied back to the Catholic church. I always joke, you know, (laughs) abbeys for cheese and beer and wine. And that's, I think that's what's so great about wine because it is so connected and it, you know, we talk about the earth and where it comes from naturally. So it sort of leads you already down that path so quickly just to know about it. You have to sort of go deep into where it came from and how it was grown and all that kind of stuff, which yeah. is, is fun. And, you know, I don't usually ask uh, about like specific wines on this podcast, but I would love to get your your take on some of your favorite wines right now right now you well know, you know I, over or as you however yeah you normally you know overall past, yeah and you you broaden the questions and a lot of times people ask what's your favorite wine you know I'm like, oh there's so many um yeah. you know yeah. i spent is there, is there- you know, yeah i spent most of my career um you know running an all-american program you know right on capitol hill so right. i you know, California wines are my strong suit, but I love wines from from all over the world. Um, right now, I've really been not getting into, but exploring natural wines and and um, you know, not you know Georgian wines and wines um, which takes you back to history and you know finding out all, everything new is old and everything old is new again. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, I call it kind of re-educating my palate and, um, you know, just expanding, expanding my, my palate. I don't know if I can even give you uh bass ciders. I mean, it's not a wine. Um, but you know, I really think the, 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 like the sour beers and the, you know, the, that profile and, and ciders as well really was an well, entry way into 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 natural wines nice yeah i i mean i would i would put cider for sure in in the wine world i mean i think it's i would sometimes have cider over champagne even you know if you take the best of each i'm i might and and you held them up in front of me and made me choose one i might go with cider honestly yeah um i love sonoma coast um and you know exploring alternate not alternative grapes but um, grapes that you wouldn't normally see in um, in California or that, I mean, there's a lot of them that people aren't, you know, aware that there's a lot of Mouvet and Gewurztraminer and, um, you know, other grapes in California and even Napa other than Cab and, and Chard. Chard right. So, um, you know, other regions, Sierra Foothills. Yeah. Um, you know, I had an All-American wine in different states, you know, some great wines made in Texas. Um, yeah. 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 No, I've just heard some recent great press about Texas Tempranillo for sure. Um, that's great. I'm, I'm excited. Do you feel like a little bit like you're, you're defending you you, like there's a little defensive posture when it comes to American wines? Absolutely. Um, (laughs) natural wines. I think in, in general, just like my, my, my compass is pointed towards, um, you know, defending the underdog or defending, you know, whoever is hanging up on at the moment. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. You know, there, I always got, you know, like with my peers, well, you could get so-and-so from, um, you know, wherever for less prices and it's too expensive and, you know, they're all big. Um, and I know I've been really fortunate to taste, you know, more of a range than, like if you just go into the supermarket and you know look for California, um, you know a lot of those wines that I talked about are, are not there. They either make a very little bit about you know make a, a small amount or 
you know, people think distributors think they're hard to sell or, or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a really, really young um, industry. Um, right. Or even though it goes back to the 1800s, um, you know, sometimes a, a little bit further back than that, you know, with the Spanish missionaries, um, you know, but I go to like tasting sometimes and it's like the Antonori family and they're, you know, literally seventh, 10th generation, you know, right. of making wine, you know, so we're still figuring out, you know, what works where, um, you know, a lot of experimentation, you know, getting things right, getting things wrong, but there's good and bad wine everywhere. Right. There's bad wine. There's bad French wine. I'd say maybe less, you know, less. So, but um, it's it's not just where it's from. Right. You know. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I, you know, and I find as I, you know, I've been at this for a while, too, that what I once thought was good, I don't like anymore. And yeah. things that I used to dislike, I'm now finding to be very elegant and, you know, like at least stylistically my palate has changed and the, you know, it's opened up new things. It's sort of like, you know, food taste. It's like everything, I guess you, you my tolerance for spice has gone up and and Mm. something happens when you get older. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good to know. I, my, my tolerance is going the other direction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, so You've, you know, you've, you've alluded to some of this already and you've talked about how you got into it, but you've had a pretty um, interesting career where your career took you there in Washington, D.C. kind of led you sort of a, a, on an illustrious path. Uh, right. <laughs> can, can you can you talk about, you know, what your career was has been like over the last few years? And, yeah. yeah. So I'd say, you know, kind of. So Beast 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 was a French restaurant opened in 96, 97, um, you know, and then, um, you know, slowly getting in and, and I call it specializing in, in, in the wine part of, of the hospitality industry. Um, I worked, you know, most of my career has been kind of centered around Capitol Hill. I think all the restaurants were in kind of a five mile radius, you know, heavy with lobbyists and, and politicians and, and business. Um, you know, that wasn't really on purpose, but it, it, it kind of happened that way. Um, I was actually still at Beast when one of the investors told me that Charlie Palmer was opening a restaurant in uh, 2003. I think I Googled him. Charlie, Tr- I thought it was, you know, I thought of Charlie Trotter in, in Chicago um, and then one of the first things that he was called the godfather of American cuisine and researched him a little bit. And there were a lot of wine articles, um, you know, with, with his name attached. So he really seemed like a chef that was also just passionate, personally passionate about wine. I made a trip to New York with Dan, um, had dinner at Oriole. I think I gave with my resume in hand, you know, I was driven Without even really knowing what my end game was. You know, I think I, I mentor some people right now and they know, you know, exactly what they want to do. But it was, I was kind of taking one step in front of, you know, one step after the other. Um, does that make sense? You know, yeah. without, without completely knowing where, where I would end up. Well, right. Well, it seems like it served you. I mean, even just the way you got into it, sort of like you, you, you were making a transition, needed a job, saw an opening, went for it, and then you found something that you loved that you had never yeah. done before. And, yeah. and here you are now, years later. Yeah. You yeah. Know, by the time they got, I got, you know, my resume in, so they were still building the the construction and I went in and gave my resume to one of the construction workers. I went in again another day and Charlie just happened to be there. But they had their wine team already picked. There were three people. And they're like, you know what? We need a captain. You know, will you, are you willing to come in and do that? Um, and I did that. And I, you know, after training, I would stay afterwards and help the wine team, you know, open boxes, break down boxes, set up the system. I'm just volunteering my time. And I remember servers being like, you know, you're not getting paid. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm learning from a master's thumb, you know, for free. And sure enough, six months later, 
you know, someone left and, um, you know, they noticed my interest and, um, you know, I joined the program as an assistant in 2005, I took over the program, you know, so just, just talking about, you know, being willing to take a step back to move forward, you know, it's not always, it's not always a straight line from A to B. It's uh, that's really smart, and it also, if I can use the term, sounds uh, like it developed organically. Yeah. In, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, so this restaurant, you you've won some awards. Uh, can you talk yeah. some of the accomplishments since you since you started there, since that you took over the program? Yeah. I'm much better at this. <laughs> Used to be, I think women have a hard time with talking about accomplishment accomplishments with some people but i won um star chef it's called star chef the rising star um yeah rising star 2006 so you know they come to town and have tasting menus um you know through the whole city um so i won for as a sommelier for that year um i won the rammy awards which is an award um a local award um, for best wine list for the DMV, you know, DC, Maryland, and Virginia. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah, so that's you know that's that's some of them. Um, that's very cool. And when you started there, had you gotten any certification at that point, or were you still studying? I, I was still studying. I hadn't gotten any certification, but you know, I, I always had my no. books. You know, I'd work lunch. You know, they'd see me studying and then my break, and then work dinner. That kind no, of thing, yeah. I I love that. I mean, I love the. I, I mean, yeah. There's something about people who are are, are self made and and yeah. just you know doing. I, I don't know that I. Yeah, I, I did have a or... wine captain. There was like a nine week course. You okay. Know, back cool. in the, when I was a manager, you know, and wanting to, you know, just feel more comfortable on the floor, you know, with servers. So I did have this, you know, little nine week. Um, captain course, which was good, you know, because he can't, he covered, um, you know, what I call the basics, you know, a little bit of, of everything. Well, the, and the court has had a, a little controversy lately. Yeah. I didn't even think to bring this up, but do you, how do you feel now about going all the way to the end of getting a, a master SOM certification? Um. So I'm not a master psalm, which I know. No, no, no. That's what I mean. How, yeah. how do you feel about continuing on? Do you, do you care as much about it? Do you... I don't care as much. I mean, and that was even, you know, before this, I think when I started having kids and the mortgage and it takes, you know, I don't know if you've seen the movie psalm, and I think definitely people yeah. understand more, now more what it takes. Um, you know, I taste had a, I was a part of a tasting group for, you know, 10 years every Sunday um, it takes a lot of, a lot of grit, you know, and, and yeah. I'm much, I've grown into grit, but you know, I, I was not always good at falling off the horse and getting back up. And that's a big part, I think of people that, that makes, make it through it. Um, it's yeah. it, the studying stopped being fun, you know, not that yeah. it, it didn't, you know, it's not, you know, my son is starting violin and you just have to have to practice, you know, even if you don't want to. Um, but I was reading about things that didn't connect with what I was doing on the floor or. Right. You know, so that, that we were talking about my drive and you can kind of see, you know, how, how, how much I was reading and, and it was kind of taking that love. <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> sucking some of that love away. Um, like, but yeah, it's well, an organization, you know, it, it, it did feel like, you know, a boys club, um, mm. Um, you know, at, at times, you know, I, I have a friend who um, started the Roots Fund and she had, it's out there. It's a powerful video. Yeah. Yeah. About, that's um, that's what master, I was thinking about when I asked yeah, this question. Yeah. About a master kind of insisting that she addressed him as master and I was floored. Yeah. Um, you know, just a tone deafness of it. And, you know, I don't know who it was, but there's no, <laughs> no one right. is that <laughs> to look yeah. at a black woman and, and you know insist that but you know most of the master Somalis I know I, I couldn't see any of them um, you know doing that but they they needed 
Um, and a lot of, you know, organizations needed, um, you know, that just that self-reflection and, um, yeah, yeah. You know, just real fast. I also I was also, I'm advanced with W the White Spirit Education Trust, WSU. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I prefer them. I do prefer them a little bit more. Um, they, I feel like focus, you know, there was a whole, you know, chapter on viticulture, um, that I don't think the court does. And the court is definitely more geared towards service. Right. Um, so you, you did say, uh, just in terms of these very highly priced bottles, um, I'm guessing, you know, at the restaurant, that was kind of the norm. And, and just in terms of who you are as a person and the kind of clientele that you were serving there in DC, what was that like? And what, you know, do you have any stories about, you know, fun moments or (laughs) not so fun moments and, and Hey, it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's an election year. So even, you know, any stories (laughs) of politicians that you might've worked with? Yeah, for sure. You know, it was it was definitely a you know a high end restaurant. Um, the you know when you sat at the table, you can the the capital is you know right in front of you. Um, you know, but I, I've I've always been really conscientious about a the perception of the, you know the snooty psalm with the taste of it, you know, looking down at you. Um, <laughs> I was lucky, you know, that my early mentors were not like that. You know regardless of, you know, how much knowledge that they, that they had. Um, and also making sure that I had um, a range of prices on there, you know, cause I would definitely, you know, would have the CEO of GM come in and I of course want to make sure I have a $3,500 bottle of wine that, you know, that he'll buy, you know, three bottles of cause you know, that's my <laughs> job and it helps me buy other stuff. Um, But also, you know, having a good $55 wine on there and making sure that that it's good, right? So not just putting, throwing a $55 wine on there, but really tasting and tasting until I find just a really, a really good value and a good story um, to to put on the list. But of course, lots, lots of stories. Um, I love talking to people. um, And that was definitely one of the highlights of, of working there and, and working the floor and one of the things that, you know, that I miss, you know, I could, yeah. I good reviews, you know, even from people that I didn't sell wine with. Um, uh, someone wrote a, an, a, an, an interview with me and he said that I, I knew a little bit about a lot and I would, you know, agree, <laughs> agree with that, you know, from <laughs> reading the economist and, was that show it's on npr it's the canadian broadcast thing but you know people like um you know like when you're interested in what they do or um yeah you know again i could talk a little bit about nuclear science i can talk a little bit about you know just just being a curious person i think a lot of wine people are just naturally curious and i'm i'm curious about a lot of different a lot of different topics um, you know, Paul Ryan, who uh, oh, yeah. has the most beautiful blue eyes, um, <laughs> but, you know, definitely didn't agree with a lot of his politics, but, you know, we would talk about, I think I was doing PX30 and he works out a lot, you know, so you're just finding the commonalities, you know, not, mm. not a lot of bad, you know, bad stories. Uh, I think, you know, they always knew that they were being not being watched at the restaurant, you know, but um, right. that's not where the bad behavior comes in. I feel like that, you know, it's those secret tapings where you see the bad <laughs> behavior. Um, one great story with, I think it was two, 2008 or 2007 with uh, Barack Obama. He wasn't the president. He was, I think he was just starting to campaign and it was a big um, DNC fundraising event i mean in one of our private rooms you know nancy Mm. pelosi a lot of people in there and our restaurant on the roof has a gorgeous view of the whole mall the Capitol, going down to the monument all the museums um so we get a lot of people you know kids coming to dc for the first time was a table 
Um, and I think the kid was, he was about 17 and he saw him when he went to the room. He's like, oh my God, I can't wait till I'm 18 to vote for him. And he was so excited. Um, <laughs> you know, there's an unspoken rule um, not to bother celebrities. You don't, you know, when you, when you work there, you know, you don't sure, ask, for, you don't ask yeah. for pictures and, and um, yeah, just that. professional not, courtesy, of course. Yeah, not that you never do. Um, <laughs> you know, Julia Child came in early in, in my career, and I did. I think, <laughs> well, I have a picture of myself in Q-tip as a, as a host. Um, but so I went in the room, you know, kind of tapped him on the back. I'm like, I'm so sorry to bother you. There's this person out here. We really want to meet, to meet you, you know, shaking, like in awe myself. And he uh-huh. left. You know, he left the big people that were writing the checks and came out and met this kid and took a picture with him and shook his hand. Um, like, I'm not getting teared up, but every time I tell that story, it's just um, just really authentic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm sure even, and maybe even especially so with, <laughs> with the politicians that you worked with or worked, you know, served wine to, right. who, who you disagreed with I'm, I'm sure it has the effect of humanizing these yeah. sort of you know figureheads that we see only like Absolutely. through the lens of <laughs> very skewed news articles for or against them you know yeah like Paul um, Ryan would come in with his family and his kids and you know I think sometimes you don't think of them like that yeah how, how how's that affected you in the way you think about politics or 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 anything that's a question. good question. That's a good question. You know, I, I think it did. Um, you know, a good. I call him a friend. He's he's a he's a he's a representative as a congressman, Mike Thompson, and he represents Napa and Sonoma, um, and he's part of the Wine Caucus and mm. just a good good guy. And you know, I always use him as an example that um, we put all sorts of people in you know, generalized in, in big, big buckets um, that there's, you know, that, that there are good people up the, on, on the hill. And I think a lot of them leave because, you know, it's, it's hard. Um, mm. You know, recently, last year, last two years, I think it's actually started with, with um, this guy getting elected. I stopped like unfriending people that I didn't agree with and, um, yeah. you know, just trying to find the the commonalities, um, yeah. You know, and and I was able to do that with not Ted Cruz, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you know Paul Ryan and some other people where you could find, you know, we could talk about working out at PX thirty, and there's, you know, I think if we just sat down and with a lot of things, there's there's a lot of commonalities and things we can uh, agree on. Yeah, I I mean I had the a really similar reaction after the last election where I was like, you know, when when you see a, you know, when you see obviously like the people have spoken in some way, you know, I mean and and a lot of people were outraged and I was like, no, I was like this is clearly yeah. people are worried and afraid and concerned yeah. and this is a time for compassion and kindness. Yeah. Like we need to like harder than ever reach out and try to make those connections and and yeah. you know talk and find out what's really bothering people and let's work yeah. on solutions together yeah. i saw some pretty soon after he he won i saw some exposés from cn and different places you know they went to like rural kentucky and you know other places um you know that with more poverty than you know than than a lot of the the countries that he talked about, you know, just, right. just things that I, not that I didn't know, but um, just, just really started looking at it in a different lens. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, but also screaming, you're voting against yourself, but, you know, <laughs> just, <Yeah. laughs> trying to be, be more compassionate. So, but you moved from that restaurant and at what, now must look like perfect timing in retrospect started your own project with your husband right i did um that was um joking about the perfect timing (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
it wasn't that long. I left in early 2008. Um, the project was already ongoing. That had opened in 2012. Okay, got he it. Was, he was managing partner. Um, so I came in as the general manager and the sommelier. And we were there for about a year and a half. And then we closed it at, you know, dates late 2019. Because uh, restauranting is hard. Yeah. Um, but, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a great, it was a great experience um, it was almost like five different businesses and what was a bakery and a wine shop and a bistro and catering. Um, so there were, there was a lot, there was a lot going on. Um, yeah. Rents were it, very hard, high or friends, rents were very high. Right. Did you yeah. f- have the same focus of, uh, American wine? I did it. I did it. You know, Charlie had that idea, Charlie Palmer, um, because of our, proximity to the capital yeah and kind of knew we would have people from from all over different states and all over the world which we did yeah so that that was part of that shtick that's kind of cool yeah that makes sense um well you know i've i've heard a little in the background there as we've been talking but a big part of you know your mentoring i think that i've heard you talk about is uh being a mom and, and helping yeah. other women who are in hospitality, working in restaurants. Yeah. Do you have any, um, you know, what, what has it been like being a, a mom with two kids and, and working in hospitality? It's, it's been challenging. You know, I, uh, I got to start by saying it's not easy, no matter what, what industry you're in. Right. I think, you know, COVID has, really, you know, taken, you know, the last Band-Aid off of this incredible issue that we have in this country. I don't remember the numbers, but, you know, how much of the female workforce is not back to work. Um, It's not that they're not jobs there, you know. Uh, So it's it's a huge issue. I was really fortunate, um, you know, working for Charlie, like all my managers were really supportive. You know, I was pregnant on the floor I remember being worried about you know just worried about what they would say because like, I'd never seen a person with a big belly <laughs> you know <laughs> walk in the floor um, you know but customers were supportive um, I was I was extremely lucky you know, in terms of you know time that I needed or you know, calling like 10 minutes before, just crying because I'm having a day. I can't come in today, you know, and, and not holding it, you know, not, and there's, there's a balance, right? It's a business. Um, right. You know, they need business goes on, the show goes on no matter what, but I, I was lucky and, and supportive. Um, I worked um, really, it was helpful early on when they were young because I would go to be- go to work like four to eleven, three to eleven. So I had the whole day, you know, like with my son, you know, I'd go to, you know, take him to the parks, you know, do all, do all these activities. Sometimes with, um, you know, stay at home moms and like at two thirty, I was like, I gotta go. They're like, where are you going? I'm like, I gotta go to work. They're like, you work? <laughs> um, you know, but I, I was, I was fortunate in in that sense. Um, <laughs> you know, but there's, uh, Charlie Palmer was right be behind the the Department of Labor was right behind us. It was huge. I don't remember. It's like three thousand people go to work there every day. Um, but they have. I was always a little jealous. There's a daycare on the property. Um, and a wow. playground in the back, you know, their offices kind of circle the courtyard, you know, so you could probably just look down and see your kids. Um, wow. so I really, I think it's, there's a lot that people can do and not everyone can have a daycare, you know, and right. everyone needs to have a daycare, but it's, it's, um, you know, they recognize the importance and, um, it, you know, it makes a huge difference in productivity. Um, it's just, it's just a win-win situation you know uh working from home is no longer <laughs> uh, you know seen some sort of way um so i think that that will be a positive um you know in terms but hospitality there's not a lot of jobs you can do at home well there is you know some there's you know there's marking there's a lot of things other than wine 
Um, But recognizing that there's a problem, you know, working with people on an individual basis, um, you know, and also, you know, just having like policies down on, down on paper. Do you have any advice for somebody who's in your position in hospitality who, 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 who will be, or who wants to be and how to navigate that with their employer and any advice for employers of how to, how to help and facilitate, encourage, uh, you know, women and parents in the workforce? Yeah. You know, just, um, you know, have, having open conversations, you know, and dialogues and, and, you know, when I got uh, pregnant the first time and um, I think I was at work and I Googled, you know, pregnant sommeliers and I got up to do something else and the chef came and sat down on my desk and he saw it and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, then he came into the hall- hallway. He was like, congratulations. Like, why didn't you tell me, <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh God, like, how do you know? Like, I wasn't ready to tell anybody. Um, I don't remember what, you know, what my point was, but, you know, we sat down and kind of, you know, set up a framework of what if, like, this is what, you know, what we're going to do and how much time do you think you're going to need? Um, you know, I, I was placing orders. I ended up being on bed rest for about a month with Emerson. And I remember calling in orders and talking to my assistants, you know, he was like my eyes on what we need. So just being creative, you know, um, you know, guilt, I think guilt, no, again, no matter what industry you're in, um, but kind of owning that guilt or feeling like you, you know, you want to be three places at one time, uh, but owning it and, and moving on, you kind of have to move on. Um, I think restaurants made it a little easy because once the shift, the shift starts, you know, you're, you're going on adrenaline and honestly, I was not thinking about my kids, um, <laughs> you know, at that, at that point. Right. Um, yeah. That's and, great. you know, quality, you know, the quality, the quality of the time is more important than the quantity of the time. You know, I always, I always felt bad that I didn't spend more time. Um, but what I did, you know, I had to make sure to put down my phone and, and be present um, with them because of it. Yeah. Which is still a struggle. struggle. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I want to touch on organic wine for yeah. the organic wine podcast. <laughs> you, have you noticed, I mean, did you notice any trends in terms of what you were getting from producers or what customers were asking for when, yeah. you know, before this, before you closed down in 2019? Yeah. You know, all through, you know, all through the years of five or six, you know, really pretty sporadically, it seemed, um, I'd get questions for organic wines. I don't know if that was because, you know, it was a steakhouse. Um, and, you know, candidly, I, most of the times I'd roll my eyes. I didn't actually roll my eyes because, you you know, you can't do that. You smile and nod. And I didn't, didn't have any. And uh-huh. a few that I tried were not very good. So, and I think, um, you know, a lot of people and old wine people had that connection with organic wines that, um, or wines without sulfur, I think were, was probably what I was asked for more than organic. Right. Um, and, you know, it's, I think the you know, the more it went on, there would be more consumers you know, asking for it. Um, yeah. And then, you know, there were, then there were like producers like Benzinger or people that have been doing it all along that you didn't even, you know, think about, or, you know, bio, um, biodynamic um, started coming up more and that was actually easier, you know, t- to find biodynamic producers. Oh, interesting. Huh? Yeah. Especially yeah. like on the coast and, and, you know, places in Loire Valley. Um, yeah. You're right. I mean, I, from a lot of people, I've heard that, that sort of what their idea of organic, when, when you combine the words organic and wine together, you know, up until, you know, just the last few years, it was yeah. always, it was always a negative association in terms right. of flavor. Like it was, right. the quality wasn't good for some reason. Yeah. I um, think so. 
were, right? I mean, but back to there's good and bad wines. I, I don't know since I don't know where that came from. Well, I you know I'm guessing it has to do with the certification and that you there's a limit to the amount of sulfites that you can use. And if you actually right. want to say organic wine, you can't use sulfites. Like if it literally yeah. says organic wine on the label, yeah. but then there's the, you can, you can add up to a hundred parts per million sulfites. If you say made with organic grapes. And I think that's now where people have skewed because you can clearly maintain a much higher level of quality with that, with that amount of, I mean, that's yeah. plenty of sulfites to keep good wine yeah. from going bad. That is um, hard. I mean, you know, not not that it's easy, but I, I think, you know, there's a lot more care, you know, a lot, you have to be a lot cleaner. I think, you know, there's a lot, a lot of things that can go awry. Yeah. yeah. And you, and it, I, I mean, personally, since I make it, I will say it definitely yeah. has to do with the, your picking decision, you know, like you yeah. have to be a lot care, more careful. You can't just let your grapes ripen to whenever is logistically feasible for you to bring them in. You really have to watch them closely and say, okay, now they're yeah. optimal at, because you, you know, you're not adding much. Well, this is, I'm skewing into natural a little bit. I mean, organic, you can still add, yeah, you know, whatever, a, a ton of stuff to sort of correct any flaws really yeah. like, you know, in the winemaking, you're going to add a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. Natural sounds like, you know, what you were getting asked for or the trend that started, that you started seeing it sounds like more that no sulfur thing yeah. i think you know and it's a it's unfortunate that i think natural also probably from you could probably back this up from your experience you you have a lot of wines that are off and don't necessarily right. give people the best impression of that brand of natural yeah. Yeah. um which is again unfortunate because it doesn't have to be that way and yet you know people are using that brand i think to just get away with making flawed wines or okay. or their their philosophy I, I won't say it's all done with some sort of malintent but you know the it's when the philosophy dominates the flavor instead of having flavor first and then you know fitting that into the philosophy it's like we always do a whole cluster i was like well it was a hot vintage i wish you hadn't done you know, <laughs> right. hadn't done it vintage by vintage yes uh, you right. know i'm talking about the, the the tasting wheel, you know, and my re-educating my palate, you know, in terms of natural wines, because even some of the ones that are clean, you know, they're they're not flawed. The profiles, whether it's lemon pits or you know, I can't even, you know, the words aren't even on that chart. You know, some of them, you know, sometimes a little reductive. You know, we we've been taught through you know the traditional ways that these are faults in wine. You know, or insiders, right? They're a little funky. They're a little cloudy. You know, if it's cloudy, it's bad. You know, in, in like even the court of Master Sprawley, one of the second things when you're blind tasting is is it's clear, clearer faults. Yeah. Uh, you know, so kind of changing, you know, changing, you have to kind of change your vocabulary um, and learn these. You know, there's not a lot of plum always. Do you, do you know what I mean? There's, yeah, the, the riper. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different profile. Um, yeah for 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 wines yeah, that's interesting well, you might end up writing the natural wine palette wheel <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is funny because i'm you know I'm queen of cabernet but <laughs> man, i think it just kind of started with defending the underdog and all my you know all my friends i love you know, that meeting up and all these crazy hippie kids and i'm like well actually in the loire valley in new georgia they buried it and you know, <laughs> the, orange, you know the orange wines and you know there's a whole whole spectrum to them people i think say you know aren't all wines natural but right. when when you know anything about winemaking you know yeah. how much can be added in the winery you know how much can be manipulated yeah yes it all starts with grapes but you know, in some, some cases, some cases you get a long ingredients list in, on top of that, you know, yeah. and unfortunately, I think that's, those are the kinds of wines that are mainly available to consumers. Like I, I went into our local Albertsons here on Crenshaw Boulevard right. and, you know, two things I want to ask you about, well, I mean, or just talk to you about, but the first one was I was looking to see you know, are there any wines made with organic grapes? Like, I don't, I'm, I don't even care about organic wine or the additives right. at a certain level. I just, I'm really hoping that the the 
viticulture is responsible and clean and you know beneficial to the environment and there was one in the whole aisle like you know the huge aisle of wine i found one did you know it or did it have it on the label i happen to know that producer and like and that's the thing you know i mean it's possible that you know organic grapes were probably might have been used in some cases in you know in a big blend with other grapes you know to make these other mass-produced wines yeah um and I know that there are some, you know, like Jay Lore and Kendall Jackson are very, very strong in their sustainability practices. They don't yeah. always practice organic viticulture, but yeah. their business model and the kind, you know, the kind of agriculture that they do practice, as well as the treatment of workers, water right. conservation, land conservation, is very uh-huh. responsible, very uh, commendable. Yeah. yeah, like the whole package. So those are ones that I, you know, I'll, I'll like. Well, I'm glad it's there, you know, and, but I was, you know, I'm also kind of a strickler about just like not putting synthetic chemicals into the world. And, and I found one, you know, I found one wine that adhered to that, you know, where it was a hundred percent and that was Gergich Hills Chardonnay and at our, that our local Albertsons, that's 35 plus dollars, which I think probably doesn't sell very often, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not, there's not many on that top shelf in that price range, especially Chardonnays, you know? So it's like the one that was available isn't accessible to most people who are shopping for wine there. And that, you know, I find that to be sad. (laughs) But the other, the other thing was just how intimidating that, like when I stepped back and I'm like, let's say I'm just coming in here and I'm the basic person that doesn't have a lick of knowledge about wine and I'm coming in maybe, maybe just with an openness to maybe I should try something new. My, you know, my friend said I should, you know, drink red wine for my health or something like that. Like it, I would just walk into that aisle and I'd turn around and walk right back out. It's like, you know, it's literally like, like just this wall of, of sameness and covered yeah. with words that I don't understand necessarily, you know, or want to read and spend, you know, a half an hour just like perusing every single bottle and trying yeah, to figure like out the craft, what... like the craft aisle where it's, you know, they're all cheese. It's just different packaging. Under right. Right. And, yeah. and so, I, you know, I was thinking like the other side of the aisle was where it was like the, the boxed wine and the jug wine and those in a weird way kind of popped out. Like I was like, you know what, this is a little less, like it's a little more tangible. Like there's, it's almost like with and the price is right as well. Exactly. What can we do? Like, what can we do to make wine? Like what can we do to make that wine aisle more fun for more people or just in general, like make wine more accessible so that, you know, we're like, yeah, like we can share this love, first of all, but also just, you know, you know, add health, bring in new people, bring in the next generation, that kind of thing. What do, you, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, there's, uh, I think a lot. I think, you know, producers can help with, you know, in terms of the labeling, um, you know, not, I don't need a, a an ingredients list. And I think, you know, something they say on the Hill a lot, like no one wants to see how the sausage is made. Um, you know, I don't necessarily need to know what's in, what's in all of them, but, um, you know, using some of that space, you know, with hints of strawberries and, you know, all these words that really don't tell you much about the wine, but putting some, some more information on there, uh, Ridge Vineyards in Santa Cruz is, is famous for, you know, putting a lot of details on there. Yeah. Um, Love them. You know, supporting your, your local you can't always go to a uh, you know a wine shop in some areas. I know don't have wine shops, but when you can, um, you know, because they're they're curating um, what's in the store. There's there's more you know flexibility, um, and then talking to the people you know that are buying the wines. You know, like you would in a restaurant, right? Um, I think we need to do just some homework. You know, my husband um, is always on Consumer Reports. You know, I think we have no problem reading, you know, all we can about a mattress before we go buy it. Um, <laughs> you know, so just, um, you know, doing doing a little bit on the homework um, for yourself and, and figure, finding, um, you know, in terms of what your priorities are and what you, and I think it's much easier than it used to be. 
um, you know, I'm thinking about writing a piece actually about the websites, you know, like I mean, when I was starting and, and wanting to learn about a particular brand, I'd go to their websites and they're really beautiful. Um, but there's no information, like even on, you know, no, no true information. I'm like, well, how is this made? And, um, you know, less, less flowery. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, more know, substantive. More substantive. You yeah. know, going back to the organic thing really fast. You know, so there, at first I was rolling, you know, kind of rolling my eyes. What is this everyone's talking about? And then, you know, I saw a momentum. And then, um, you know, mid 2000s, I think organic, the organic name kind of started losing some of its meaning because I was seeing it on everything, right? There was organic Rice Krispies, organic, um, you know, everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there almost felt like a marketing thing organic um not that just marketing but it it it, it was confusing it started to get confusing and then they're like well wait a minute they can still use you know there's just a lot of misinformation and and not really um you know trust i think people need um are more than ever care about where they're spending their money Um, um they're looking for authenticity and um there's a lot of mistrust, you know, whether it's mistrust of government entities, mistrust of news <laughs> organizations. Am I digressing again? But <laughs> no, you know, no, I think it's all yeah, it's, it's seasonally appropriate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, what does that mean? It's organic rice krispies. Yeah, I mean, in on, on I I hear what you're saying. On the other hand, like I love that you do see more of that because you know the. You know, I, I heard one statistic that like if we pushed agriculture just a small percentage, like so where, you know, the, the rice is grown, where the corn yeah. is grown for our cereals and stuff like that. If we pushed it like it might even only be like 10 percent in addition to where it is now, like 10 percent higher. So it's like 15 percent of the market right now. I mean, I think yeah. if, it, if it got to 15 percent of the market, it could essentially start rolling back the climate change, like the environmental damage. just be- And it would also reach a tipping point where they, you know, the value of not doing it would decrease. Like, so it, you'd add value to, you know, you'd reach a point, a tipping point in terms of massive farms and places like producers yeah. of food wanting yeah. to stop using chemist, the, the chemical, the harmful chemicals in the environment. Yeah. So I don't know. And, yeah. you know, so there's that aspect of it that I'm, I like a lot. And, and yet you're right. The education is, is, and that's the hard part. I mean, you know, cause people don't have time. People have two right. kids and they're working in a restaurant, you know, and they're, yeah. and they doing that research takes precious time away from the, you know, their, their lives, which are really busy and yeah. filled with really important things. Um, you know, I think as a mom, I definitely started thinking about it, um, more, um, you know my sister. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm always I sometimes feel guilty because I feel like our kids eat pretty differently. You know, I think um, you know, her daughter was probably two before she got a lollipop and my kids <laughs> way too much sugar. Um, but I think people don't, you know, and why is organic important or you know, it's not it, you know, it's not gonna hurt you, uh, whatever, but that it's the accumulative, you know, over time. You know, if my kids start eating you know, the stuff now and, you know, just over time, um, they're finding, you know, babies like that are born with, with markers of chemicals, you know, already in their bodies yeah. um, based on what women are eating. So, you know, we all sound like, you know, crazy hippies, but um, I think there's still a lot that we don't know about why there's so much cancer. Why is there, you know, why, right. why are Americans dying at a higher rate from COVID right now? You know, because, um, you know, because of, of, of health disparities, you know, there, there yeah. are things in wine that we can use here legally, you know, like low thresholds of arsenic, um, <laughs> that <laughs> right, right. would not be allowed in the EU. Right. You know? and sometimes they change the formula of things in order to ship to that market, which is, yeah. 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 No, it's, it's funny there. I mean, uh, as I've delved into this, you know the things that i find are shocking really just that like there are chemist chemicals like over a dozen probably significantly over a dozen chemicals that 
basically have been banned outright in the EU and even in Brazil and in China that we continue yeah. to allow to be used, you know, yeah. and whose use grow is some of them, the, the, like, the growth of use, there's still growth in the use of them. Right. Uh, and, and, and our fault too, right. With wanting, you know, how cheap can you get it? You right. Know, right. I don't know what, what's the, the chicken and the egg, you know, who, who started at first kind of race to the bottom, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. That is, and I don't want to, you know, I don't know if you saw, there was a big brouhaha about clean wine uh, previously yes. in Forbes. And it was, you know, I think kind of unfortunate because um, it was, a, it was a, I think a good conversation or, you know, a conversation starter, but it went just so left, left field, um, you know, kind of scaring people, you know, not that there's, you know, arsenic, you know, there's not tons of arsenic in the wine that's going to, 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 you know, to kill you. But I think back to the accumulative, you know, it's in the apple you eat and a little bit in the wine and a little bit in the, you know, you know over time. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm in a, it's good at least I feel personally that attention is being brought to it and consumers are not, are, are being disabused of that illusion that wine is you know that grocery store wine that you're buying is a natural product it's more like a wine beverage a lot of times and you know that there is a huge agricultural industry behind that that uses a lot of chemistry most of the time is there a natural wine shop that you go to there's a one um domestique in, okay. in in dc um my local i live in alexandria just over the you know, over the, yeah. the Potomac there. And it's a shop called Unwind and they've always been um, always good wines, you know, really focusing on small producers, which is something I've always, you know, done. You know, I felt like, not that I don't, like I didn't have a lot of Screaming Eagle and Artemis, not Screaming Eagle, uh, Silver Oak and, you know, Artemis on the list. And I like those wines, but, um, you know, there are a lot of wines where people have their day jobs and, they're making a little bit of wine and, you know, a couple hundred cases and, you yeah. know, they would come into the restaurant, dragging their bags behind them, you know, having me taste the wines and they're good. Um, you know, so really supporting those guys, but, and they've, they've um, slowly just they're in, Every time I go in, they're more natural wines. Um, yeah. That's where I got the Basque ciders and, and really fell in love with them and started reading yeah. about them. So you know, just people, I don't know if it's, I think it started with someone that worked there and then, you know, people coming in and asking for them and they do a lot of tastings. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I'm, I'm still just caught on your description of the people with their day jobs that come in with their bags. You just described me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you know, running for planes and, in totally. Des Moines, Iowa, and, and you know, everywhere. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm right there. Self-distributing, small production. <laughs> yeah, and some of those wines are so you know so popular. I could spend my whole day just opening you know opening Jordans. I probably maybe some job security too because <laughs> talk about all these wines these small wines and people would leave like taking bottles i've had people join mailing lists you know while they're sitting there like you know introducing them to, to new wines and just yeah sharing sharing the love that's great well i wanted to close on another hopeful aspect which was this project that has this amazing name that you are involved with called the Verizon project. Yes. That what, I mean, the most clever, best name. Can you talk about it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't come up with the name, but yeah, we are um, still in our infancy. We're launching um, December 1st. Um, you know, officially the website is up verizonproject.com. You know, we should go check it out. We are taking, um, you know, donations. We're taking, people to be mentors and mentees. So, you know, basically it's, it's, is an attempt to, you know, get more indigenous and people of color in the wine industry and, and helping to facilitate that. I think we taught when we we're talking about blind tasting, um, you know, just access to wines and, 
um, you know, giving giving uh, recipients a case of wine and connecting with distributors to get that wine for them to help with wine tasting, giving out funds to um, for certification. You know, the the advanced test is probably eight hundred dollars. I mean, all of this stuff is costs a lot of money. Right. Um, I think Janice Robinson's new books are $60 and I love her books. Yeah. She's incredible, but, um, you know, accumulatively it, it adds up and can be a barrier. Um, yeah. mentors, um, we're going to have connectors, you know, it could be someone as simple as, can you pass on my, my resume? Uh, I know someone who knows someone. Um, and it's not just wine, you know, I'm getting winemakers, um, people that are in marketing, people that are in compliance, you know, it's, it's a huge industry that, um, you know, there are a lot of people right now that are looking for a career change. You know, they could be accountants someplace else. Um, um, and there's, you know, there's a need uh, for that in, in the wine industry. Um, so helping to make connections and all, all sorts of um, fun and valuable things coming down down the pipeline. So I'm on the board of that and the board of the restaurant association here in DC, which I'm really right. proud of from starting as a host 20 years ago <laughs> to being a board of, you know, the restaurant association for DC, Virginia and Maryland. That's fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Well, is there any contact information that you want to put out in the world or any websites that you want to send people to besides the Verizon project.com? Um, yeah, I'll give my, a plug for my Instagram page. Great. Um, I joined Instagram years ago I, to the point I had three accounts and didn't even know what it said and didn't do anything with it again, you know, mortgage kids working. Um, and since COVID I've, um, you know, gotten more involved with it and met some incredible people and, you know, using it to help me pivot, you know, to what's next. Um, so there's just fun information there. It's uh, Nadine Wine Brown. Nice. Got it. Okay. And, um, you know, that's it. I got my first little, maybe you can help me out. What's a better word for an influencer? I feel like influencers got a negative <laughs> connotation. But, you know, a job from the Napa Valley uh, Vintners Association to help promote, um, you know, an initiative they have coming up to help support from the glass fires. Um, so that's an influencer, but got to come cool. up with another name. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and follow me on the, on the gram. Great. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for your time and for being candid and sharing all of these stories and personal, you know, experiences. It's been. I appreciate it. I can't wait to try your wine. Thank you. I can't wait for you to try it as well. And we'll then we'll have to do another whole podcast about that. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Amy. All right. Thank Talk you. To-